I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, at this point, I have a partner back home. I have three dogs and a cat. I have a house. I have a car. I have a career. I have friends. I have all of these things that I'm going to have to give up and change in order to get where I want to be. Welcome to the Live, Work, Travel podcast. I'm your host, Michonne Thomas, a former middle school teacher who quit at 30 to become a six-figure freelancer and digital nomad instead. You're in the right place if you're ready to learn how freelancing can help you to work from anywhere, make great money, and live a life that you design. I'm sharing everything I've learned to get to where I am today in order to support you on your journey because this lifestyle is simply too good not to share. Last episode, we left off with me in the Dominican Republic thinking about all the things that I needed to change when I got back to my old life. This episode picks right up from there. Fast forward a bit, you know, I did it. I went back. It wasn't easy. But over the next six months, I changed my life. I left the career, I left everything. And from there, things started to get quite a bit wonky. This was not some magical, like, the minute that I did that, then everything opened up and everything was perfect. No, I had about two years in between before I found freelancing. Two years of trial and error, two years of not mistakes, but of trying things, right? Like I did not know what I wanted to do. I found a number of different things that I did not want to do. Now, these things cost me time. They cost me energy. They cost me money, but they also gave me confidence They gave me, okay, you know for sure that that's not the thing that you want to do. Okay, you spent a bunch of money on this, but you know, you're going to figure something out. You're going to make it back. They taught me how to believe in myself that it would be okay on the other side. So yeah, let's get into some of those, what I did. So I left teaching and I joined a coding bootcamp. This was back circa 2015. Those were really popular. And I was living in Naples, Florida, and there was one in Fort Lauderdale. So I moved over to that coast, enrolled. I spent two months in the program, and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever done, but also pure hell. (laughs) Learning a programming language to me is like learning or spoken language, learning Spanish, learning Greek, learning Chinese. You know, it was intense, absolutely intense and a lot of fun, though. It fired me up to be learning something new again, to feel like I was using my brain to feel again alive for the first time in a while. I had just felt so stuck in my career, in my life. Everything was so normal. Everything was so day to day. So the coding school, it was fun, but it was definitely not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I didn't see myself as a developer. And I also had a lot of trust issues with myself. I didn't believe that I could. I am forever grateful for those days though, because they have taught me a lot about the tech world and stuff that I still use to this day when I'm helping my clients or when I am working directly with developers. So the code school was two months. After that, I started looking for a job. I didn't feel confident enough to become a developer, but I did feel like I could help other coding schools with their curriculum since I was fresh out of teaching. And just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher at that thing. And I saw a lot of holes in how they were teaching us to, you know, just assuming knowledge. There was a new school and they could use some help. So I applied to a couple of other schools as well. And this was the the beginning of a shift in my thinking because I had a lot of self-doubt coming out of the teaching world. When you looked at my resume, 
that was the biggest chunk was a middle school teacher. And I really felt like anyone in the business world was going to look at me and go, this girl's a teacher. Like we can't hire her. She doesn't know anything about business. She doesn't know anything about the world. You know, I just felt like, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just had this sense of like, no one's going to value me because I'm just a teacher. And that was something I imposed on myself. Those words together just a teacher. You know, now my view has shifted so dramatically. I think teachers can do anything. I think we do some of the hardest work in the world and a lot of it can easily be adapted to business. But at this time, it was just a teacher. So I applied to these companies out in, uh, one in California and one in Denver. One was a coding school and the other one was an online education platform. And this was a huge, huge change for me mentally. This is a huge thing for my brain. Those companies flew me out there to interview with them, put me up in hotels, flew me out there. Now, this is very common in some industries. You know, I was coming from teaching education where, you know, teacher appreciation, you get a mug with your school logo on it. And that's supposed to make up for all the other things, you know, you deal with. So I was like, wow, okay, I need to be in business somehow. I I want these perks. This was amazing. Getting flown out, getting, you know, expenses, you know, meals and, and Ubers and stuff. They took care of all of that. Just opened my eyes again, just the way that travel had in Spain, but this opened my eyes to that. There's another way to work. There are companies that provide perks. There are companies that value their employees or companies that just do more (laughs) than others. And that just got some wheels turning in my head. I didn't end up getting the job with either of those companies, but I got hired by my very own code school, the one that I had worked at. And I worked with them for a few months until we had some conversations about whether I would be able to do some of my work remotely. And they said, no, you know, we ran a cohort based program But I was looking at the times when we weren't all there. You know, we'd have a cohort of students come in and then we'd be off for a few weeks where we do company stuff, you know, not student facing. And then we'd have a new cohort of students. And at that time, I was just pushing for, could I even have those weeks off in between? You know, could I work from somewhere else remotely? And they said no. So I thought, okay. I have a decision to make. I did not leave teaching in order to still not be able to work remotely and travel. So I need to leave this company. (laughs) So I left that company and a friend connected me with another job in Fort Lauderdale at a startup. Another thing got wheels turning. I started to realize, okay, life is really about connections and who you know. And people had said this before, but I did not do a good job of keeping in touch with people while I was in college. I'd never really been good at keeping in touch and quote unquote networking. I do think now looking back that part of this comes from being homeschooled when I was younger. I just wasn't around people that much. And I sort of never saw the purpose or value. I was more of a loner kid. Even when I got to high school, when I got into college, I hated group work. I was very much, let me do it on my own. I don't need anybody else. It's quicker, faster, easier. Do it yourself. Well, when my friend got me this job, more wheels started turning in my head. Like I need to know more people. I need to be more curious about the world out there. I need to connect more because the job was so easily gotten that it blew my mind. You know, it was barely even an interview. It was just like, my boss knows you because he saw you present at the code school and we have this opening. I'm going to put in a good word for you. And then I got hired. (laughs) You know, it was just like so quick how it happened. I was just like, okay, let me keep this in my mind because 
that seems like something that could come in handy later on. I started working at that company and my job was that of a technical writer. And here this trend in my life continues of never having experience for what I'm doing. I didn't know what a technical writer was before this job came along. And I can assure you that I was a quasi-technical writer, not exactly the real thing. (laughs) But I learned as I went. YouTube was my friend, listening, observing, never letting on that I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I saved that for like absolute like breakdowns with my friends, like, oh my God, I'm going to get found out. These people have no idea that I don't know what I'm doing. Basically though, my role just entailed developers were making apps. They were building cool things. And my job was to write technical manuals for those. Like here's how this app works with loads of screenshots. That was my job. I also would sit in on meetings with developers and help make sense out of all of the drawings. They would go in, we'd go into these rooms and we'd have these sessions where they would just like be scoping things out and using huge, you know, big words and concepts that went right over my head, but they would draw all these squiggles on the whiteboard and how this would connect to this and that and the other. And it was my job to take those and then use a diagramming software to make them into, you know, something presentation worthy. We couldn't just have these squiggles on a whiteboard. We actually had to put those into a presentable format that could then be used to explain what they were going to build or, you know, for meetings that we would take with executives. We needed to be able to show what we were building. And it was my job to adapt it from those squiggles on the whiteboard into something that could go into, you know, a PowerPoint. And I had no experience with this. I had no experience with the software. I didn't know what I was doing half the time, but I just really relied on one of my strengths, which is just, I trust myself that I can figure things out with YouTube, with whatever resources are out there, just figure out how it's done and just don't let anyone catch me out. (laughs) Just really focus on showing up and looking like I know what I'm doing. And sooner or later, people will believe that. So this company, again, very quickly, I thought there's no reason I couldn't do this from home. So I put together a proposal to be allowed to work from home and presented that to my bosses. And they were just about to approve it when the whole company, like upper management got all shaken up and everything was just like from way top down, like the parent company, it was like, no. Nobody can work from home. And so again, I had this thing of, okay, I didn't leave teaching to be at this job that won't let me work from home. So I had to quit. (laughs) I quit that job and really dedicated myself to finding remote work. I thought to myself, if I can just find a company that is fully remote, that has no office, there's no way in the world they're ever going to say, hey, we've changed our minds about remote work. You've got to come back into the office. So I started there and I looked at the job boards. I looked at companies I thought I wanted to work for. I did heavy research, like Googling, like every single company that was like a known remote work company at that time. This is 2016. So before a lot of people learned how to work remotely in 2020. So I found a blogger that I had followed for a while that sold online courses and within the personal development space. And they had a position available for a copy editor. And again, this is the trend. I had no idea what a copy editor was, but I was just like, I'll 
I thought, I'll figure it out. I'll just go with the flow, but I'm, I'll throw my hat into the ring. And copy editing was just looking for anything that was written, you know, blog posts, emails, courses, and being good at finding those grammar mistakes, finding those spelling mistakes, finding those punctuation mistakes, fixing all that, double checking things, making sure everything looks good, making sure it's said in a way that's easy to understand. And I was always, when I was younger, a very go-to person for my friends and some family in terms of editing. They'd say, can you look over my resume? Does this make sense? Can you read my essay and give me any feedback on that? So this was something I felt like I was pretty good at and then just translated it into getting hired for this job. I had no experience officially going in, but I interviewed well. I busted my ass in the sample work that they had us do. I put in so much work researching who I was going to be interviewing with. Like my key, I think, and one of the things that's gotten me to where I am in life today is just trying to do as much research and prepare so that I feel comfortable and confident. So I went through several rounds of interviews, got the job, and I thought this was the dream. I have a remote job. I kick ass. Life is good. (laughs) So I ignored a couple things. One, the job paid shit. The job was the least I had been making in years. And I mean, I used to be a teacher, so that says a lot. It was a very low paying job, but I thought it's okay. My foot's in the door and what I'm going to do is just work my way up in the company. No problem. So I was happy for about a month or two. You know, those first couple of weeks, months where you're really excited at something new, you know, you're trying to figure out how to do everything and do it right. And once I sort of got to feel settled, I was like, I've got myself into a different trap. (laughs) So the dream was to work remote. But I quickly found out that with a lot of companies, working remotely is very similar to being in the job itself or like in the office. You're expected to be in certain hours. You're expected to not be gone for lunch for a certain amount of time. And so I was just in a separate kind of box. Yes, I was able to work from home, which was fantastic. And I was able to travel. You know, I went and, you know, could visit my brother in Canada and work from there for a while. Or I could, you know, I visited some friends in California and I could work from there for a while. But it was still very limiting. It's like I have to be around on these particular hours. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, I thought I'd found the dream, but it's just once I'm on the inside, it's not quite working out like I thought it would. So there was part of me that said, hey, Michonne, you're still bound to somebody else's time, somebody else's hours. You also have someone else deciding what you earn and what you're earning is not enough. And yeah, you're just kind of ignoring that fact. You know, there's this little voice just like, hey, wake up. Hey, wake up. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, but like, you know what? I, I do have this freedom. I'm going to start a job on the side. Like I'm going to, I'm going to work on the side. I'm going to freelance. But the problem with having, you know, steady income coming in for me was that it was easy to put stuff off until tomorrow. I was like, yeah, I'll start freelancing tomorrow. Like I'll, I'll figure it out next week. I'll go online and look into how I can do that and make some extra money on the side another day. But for right now, I'm good. So I was at the job for 10 months, even though I knew from month two that it wasn't a good fit. The Once I was on the inside, just things were different. There wasn't as much growth opportunities as there would be. There wasn't as much flexibility and the work wasn't challenging. It was something I figured out and I got, and then it was just like, wait a minute. Again, I found myself like, oh my gosh, is this going to be it? Like, is this just what I'm going to do for day in and day out until I retire? But yeah, that steady paycheck every two weeks just kept me complacent. 
I knew it was wrong, but it just didn't feel like it was necessary to address it just yet. And then July 14th, 2017, I got laid off. The company decided out of the blue to lay off, I think it was about 30% of the company at that time. So just like a shock to the system, right? Many people did not see it coming. I had been gossiping with some coworkers probably for that last week beforehand. And I had a sneaking suspicion. And yeah, the day before when I got the meeting request, I was like, oh shit, this is happening. (laughs) And I had the quick call, you know, with my manager. And all of a sudden like that, it was a Friday, had no job. It was pretty devastating. It was pretty devastating. It was just like, what am I doing wrong? How come every opportunity just doesn't seem to work out? You know, what have I been doing? And you know, doubt will creep in I'd go back to, you had a nice life. You had a nice partner. You had a nice house. You had a, you know, like all these things. What are you doing with your life? And, you know, I wasn't getting any younger at this point. I'm about 32. You know, when you're younger, at least for me, I thought I'd have my life figured out at 32. Because all the other adults, when I was a kid, you know, 32, that was old. Like you just, you seem like you had everything all together. So yeah, I was pretty shook, but I remember also being really angry. I was really, really angry, really pissed off because a layoff to me was just, it was just a punch in the face, really. You know, I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't gotten fired because I couldn't do my job well or had done something wrong. A layoff is just like, we don't need you anymore. So there's the door. You know, it really messed with my head. I'd shown up. I'd done my work. I had done the best I could. And what do you have to show for it? And I was just like, someone else still is in control of me. So I was just really, really, really angry. And I remember being pissed off and sending one of my sisters a text. I remember screenshotting the text because I was like, I'm going to remember this. Like, I just, I'm so ticked off right now. I'm going to make this the best thing that has ever happened to me. Like, I'm done with this. I'm done with other people deciding when I work, how I work, what I can make, all of it. I'm just done. Going to do something about this. And years later, you know, I celebrate July 14th every single year. I call it my freedom anniversary <laughs> because that is the last day that I had a quote, real job. And yeah, so the timing of that really couldn't have been worse in the sense that I was house sitting for a friend in California at that time. And then I was flying back to Ohio to pick up my mom and we were going to drive out to North Carolina. You know, I could have flown straight there, but like, I didn't want my mom doing that whole drive alone. So I flew back and, and picked up her in Columbus, Ohio, and we drove out there. We were going to North Carolina because we, after years and years of talking about it, we were finally going to take a beach vacation with some of our closest friends that we'd grown up with. I'm one of seven kids. My best friend's family, they are one of eight kids. And a bunch of us were all getting together in, you know, this beach house that we're renting on the coast of the Outer Banks. And this vacation had been talked about for years. And it was finally coming together. And I was showing up 32, broke, worse than broke, in debt with no job. I was mortified. I was devastated. I was numb inside. And I was, again, just so pissed at the company because I was just like, how is this happening? Like, not only do I not have a job, but you just like ruined this vacation because all I could think about was, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? So that week is 
a big blur for me to this day. I mean, partly because I drank too much, <laughs> but it was just hard to be happy and around people and enjoying the time spent in the beach and just the peacefulness of it all and all of us being together with this incredible rushing and roaring in my head of like, oh my God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, it was rough. And, you know, you hear the platitudes, you know, people mean well, but they're just like, you're going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. You're going to, but in that moment, it was just absolutely devastating. I was like, yeah, I know I was fired up and pissed off, but there's that voice in the head, like, and you're screwed. This is now when life ends. You are nothing. You're never going to be anything like this is just, yeah. Again, you know, very much. Why did you leave that perfect life you had? Why did you leave that good life? You know, why did you leave the good job? Yeah. All of that just whispering in my head. So I'm a person who, when something happens, I like to throw myself into what's next and figure things out. But I had that week of vacation where I just, I couldn't, you know, it was was trying to spend time with family and friends, but also just thinking about, oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? That week ended and it was time. It was time to go to work. So I threw myself into the idea of, I don't want anyone to ever be in control of me again. So I'm somehow going to have to take control of this. I'm going to try this freelancing thing. And I threw heart and soul. I approached it like a real job. I would get up and be showered and at my desk and ready, sat down at like nine o'clock, ready to go. And I would look for jobs all day and then, you know, sign off around five. And it was pure hell. I'm not going to lie because there was so much self-doubt and anxiety going over. Like, you're never going to make this work. You're never going to make this work. Take the safe route and get a job. Just get a job. Maybe if you get a job again, then you can do this freelancing thing on the side and then you can figure it out. So I just constantly oscillated between, you know, I'd wake up in the morning feeling fresh and good. And like, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to like figure out how to freelance. (laughs) And then by midday, it was definitely like the low end of the crash. And you're going to be terrible at this. You're never going to find anything. You might as well just get a office job and, you know, submit your resume. And sometimes I would, sometimes I would totally chicken out and I would just be like, I'm not doing this. I can't freelance. This is insane. I'm going to spend all day tomorrow just applying to real jobs. And then I would send my resume out and I would go through these stupid job applications and apply to them. And then, you know, halfway through the day, I would just be like, this is stupid. You're never going to get a job this way. Try the freelancing thing again. And I would, and it just, it was awful. And as I'm several years out from it, I still recognize these patterns in my life. Whenever I'm trying anything new, there's this massive energy and like, I can do this. This is going to be awesome. And then comes in the crashing self-doubt of you're going to be terrible. This This is awful. And it just swings. It swings back and forth. And I'm just so grateful that I stuck it out and persevered through because otherwise I wouldn't have this life today. I could have given up. You know, there's actually a brewery not too far down the road that I spent a lot of time in. Go there with my computer and I would apply and I would try things. And it was so funny because one of the servers said to me the one time, she was like, oh, we thought you worked at corporate. (laughs) They thought I worked for that brewery, but just like their corporate offices because she's like, you're in here all the time. But no, I was in there just applying for jobs and stuff, but I would have the self-doubt of like, I should just close my computer and I should just get a job at this brewery and wait tables. Like that's it. I've done it before. I can do it again. I should just give up on this freelancing dream. My mind was not a happy place to be. It was all this spinning around, spinning around, spinning around. But then I got my first client and that changed everything. 
Just getting one client made me believe that I could actually do this. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) The first client I got paid me $35 an hour. And it was just for a few hours. I think maybe it worked, you know, maybe four or five hours total for her in a variety of projects. But it was game changing in the sense of no job I'd ever worked at had paid $35 an hour. Even the salary jobs, like once you broke them out, they weren't paying that much. So it was like, wait a minute. I could potentially be in charge of setting my own rate. Like $35 an hour at that time to me was ridiculous, you know, like, holy crap. And to do something that I actually liked to do. The second reason that it was so amazing is because she was so kind. I had pitched her and a bunch of other people had it as well. Cause at the time I was using a platform to find freelancing work. And so a bunch of people submitted their proposals for a job and she picked me and that made me go, huh, something I'm doing is right. Something I'm saying is getting across to clients. I'm on the right path here because she was so appreciative. She's reached out and said something along the lines of like, wow, your proposal was so great. Like I just read it and I knew like you're the person I want to work with. I'm on the other end of the computer going, I don't even know what I'm doing over here. But she made me believe. I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right. And the other reason, the third reason it was so important was because I did the first thing that she asked me to do and I did it well. I put my whole heart into it. I'm just going to do just such amazing work. And then she asked me to do a couple more things. And so it was just like, wow, okay, I see if I'm good at one thing. You know, clients typically they need help with more than one thing. And if I put my all into that first thing, it kind of naturally leads to more stuff. And the thing that she asked me to do was not even related to the first thing, but I did it. And I was like, oh, wow, I can jump between things. Like I'm good at multiple things. I can figure out multiple things. You know, looking back at my career path, this should have been obvious, but it wasn't necessarily in that moment. So I completed that job with her and it was just like such a rush and such a thing of like, all right, I could quit now, but I've freelanced. You know, even if I stopped today and I never did it again, I did it. I did the thing. It was super hard, but I did it. And that was really, really exciting. But the shift came when I realized, because for me, freelancing platforms still felt a bit out of control. I felt like I was waiting for the client to hire me. I was, you know, still going out and looking for work. The process is very similar to looking for a job. So the platform was a great place for me to start. It opened my eyes to the multitude of opportunity that there is out there for freelancing work, but I didn't last very long on the platforms because I just don't like that feeling of submitting something out into the universe, into the black hole, and like just never knowing if you're going to get a job back or what. So something clicked in my brain one day and I thought, instead of waiting for people to hire me, waiting for them to notice my proposal, waiting for them to you know, choose me out of all the other people applying for these freelancing jobs. What if I just went directly to client? You know, the jobs that I'd worked in the past, the, my friend getting me the job in Fort Lauderdale, just knowing how connections work and different things. I thought, well, who do I know that has businesses and where do business people hang out? And what problems do business people have? You know, I thought about some of these things and through previous work that I'd done, previous people that I knew, I knew of a couple of people who had started small businesses. And I thought, what if I reached out to those people directly and said, do you need any help? <laughs> Basically. So I crafted a pitch. I worked on it, you know, stressed out about it, made kind of a template for pitching and then went, looked at those people's businesses, had some ideas for where I might be able to help them. And I gathered my list together and I submitted these pitches out into the world. And I think it was nine, nine pitches that I sent in the beginning. And something like three people said, Hey, yeah, let's talk. And I think the other six people were like, you know, thank you, but I don't have a need right now. 
But that was so exciting to get a couple people who were willing to talk to me. And again, at this time, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to stress that so hard because even when I look back now, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself because I was totally just out there doing some shit. I had no idea what I was doing, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And I sort of was just like was riding the wave forward and like, I'll figure out tomorrow when tomorrow comes. And I didn't know what services to offer. I didn't know what I could help clients with. I didn't know how to set my rates any of this kind of thing, but everything was just constant figuring it out. So, you know, I, I had a call with the first client and he talked a lot about what his problems were in his business. And I'm just like taking notes furiously thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have any skill with that. But by the time he got to the point where he was like, so what do you help with? In my brain, I'm like, I help with all the things that you need. <laughs> I don't know how to do them, but I'm going to figure them out. And of course, I didn't say that to him. And I was like, oh, you know, well, you brought up that your business is really struggling with social media. Yeah, I could definitely do something around that for you. You know, kind of, I just like fudged it until like, <laughs> until I had the skills. And he'd be like, okay, cool. And the crazy thing to me is, is that I didn't know this at the time, but business owners constantly need something solved. And one of the things, you know, when I used to read and try to figure out how to become a freelancer, a lot of the advice out there was like, you need to pick a niche. You need to specialize in one thing. And I'm just so glad I ignored that advice, partly because I don't do specialization in one thing. Like my brain doesn't work that way. My brain will see all of these other options and things that are complementary and that need done as well. But yeah, you know, I wouldn't have been so successful if I had niched down to one thing in the beginning. In the beginning, I spent most of my time just listening to what clients needed. I tried different things. I did social media for clients. I did um, some editing for clients. I did website reviews and editing for clients. I created Pinterest strategies for a client. I did all of these little things until I found what I'm naturally good at, day-to-day -day operations management of a company and setting up systems so that a client can actually step away from their business and have their team run it. And they're not in there every day, all day, doing dealing with the actual running of the business. But I never would have found that because I didn't know it was a thing. So you can't necessarily know what you want to do until you get out there and you try a few little things here and there and just keep plugging away at it. Keep trying things until you find your thing that fits. And so my freelancing story just kind of snowballed from that initial client at $35 an hour, you know, doing editing work, which is nothing like what I do today. But then, you know, another client hired me for some business help and another client hired me for some social media help and another client hired me. It just kind of spiraled. And what was crazy to me was the amount that I could charge for this work because so many businesses, they need the work done. They need it done right. And they're willing to pay for someone who can come in and do it right and kind of run the thing on their own. As a business owner myself now, there's certain things that you know we're always looking for. It's just like, is this person responsible? Are they able to figure things out on their own? Are they able to work independently? Are they able to take ownership and just run with things and get them done? And the answers to that are so much more important than the skill. You know, skills can be taught, like people can be trained on how to do a certain thing. But there's these other parts that are just natural that you either have it or you don't. You know, some people will never really step up and be like, oh, I can figure anything out. You know, there's a difference between someone coming back to you and saying, hey, I tried four things. These are the four things I tried. None of them work. So now I would like your help with this problem or somebody who's just like, 
Oh yeah. You sent me that thing last week, but I didn't do it because it was broken. You know, like <laughs> those are, those are wildly different scenarios. And so clients need the first person, the person who will jump in and figure things out. And then that can be applied to so many different facets of a business and clients will pay good money for that. So my first client was $35 an hour. The next client, I, you know, was holding my breath as I sent over the proposal and I was pitching him to do some work for $50 an hour. And he was like, yeah, sure. And I think that was what killed it for me. Like that was what was just like, oh my gosh, life is about to change because it was the way these business owners approached money. To me at that time, $50 an hour was an exorbitant amount of money. And I didn't know anyone making that level of money. And for a business owner to just be like, yeah, where do I sign? Was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And so the next time I pitched a client for some work, I pitched him at $80 an hour. And the answer came back. Sure, let's get started. And it was just like, oh my goodness, this is insane. Because when I had that client at $80 an hour, I was working for him 10 hours a week. And that replaced my old income at the last job that I had. The last job that I had, that remote job where it was like the least money I'd ever made. And I was taking a step back because I thought that I'd be able to like climb my way up into the company and move forward. I was making $20 an hour there and working 40 hours a week. Now I was working with a client for $80 an hour and I was working 10 hours a week. Now I could have just done that and just had a pretty chill little life, you know, but I took on more clients. And the beauty of working with multiple clients is that not only do I have different people paying me different amounts, working for different people satisfies my brain's need for variety. So I could be working with one company in one industry, another company in another industry. And I'm also in control of like when I take on clients and how that affects my workload. For example, when I first moved out of the States into Colombia, I reduced client work because I wanted to study Spanish. And I knew that I didn't have 20 hours a week to devote to an intensive language learning course and also have a happy workload with clients at the same time. Over time, I have changed the work that I do with clients. I now do a lot more custom work than I ever did before. And I don't even do hourly rates anymore. I do, you know, retainer rates. And again, things we'll get into later on the podcast, but kind of just looping it back around. And I thank you for still listening because this has been a bit of a all over the place look at my story. A few things as I wrap this up that I want to focus on are the $80 an hour client that I landed was in October of 2017. I got laid off in July of 2017. It was less than three months. I think it took me about 35 days to get that first client. Again, with no experience, with no idea what I was doing. And by, you know, three months later, I had a client at $80 an hour. You know, I shocked myself in terms of how fast things work. And I'm not going to lie and say it was easy. It was definitely difficult. In those months where you don't know what's going on, it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of freaking out. Forgot to mention that I was $30,000 in debt at the time. You know, I had university loans still to pay off. I had a car that I owed more on than it was worth. And I had credit card debt that I had run up from, you know, moving away from my home and then going to code school and then just moving around. Lots of life built up. So there was a bunch of stress in terms of, was this going to work? Was this going to work? But then on the other hand, it was absolutely incredible to 
watch myself do it, to see that it was working, and then also to bring down that anxiety just like way, way, way down by having the things that I had always wanted. You know, I was making good money. I was paying down my debt. I was doing work that I loved with clients who were just amazing. You know, I was waking up and going, I cannot believe or people are paying me to do what I love. This is absolutely incredible. And I stayed in the US for one year after that. You know, I just wanted to be sure because there was this thing in my mind that was just like, this is going to be all taken away. Like the rug's going to be yanked out from under me, but the rug didn't go anywhere. You know, I moved to Las Vegas to try one year, like living somewhere new. That was like my first, I guess, little dipping my toe into traveling, but still staying in the States. And I lived in Vegas for a year, worked on my business. It grew, my debt decreased, you know, I paid my debt down to zero in less than a year and then took off, took off to travel the world. And it still blows my mind, I guess, to this day when I stop and like I'm doing now, think back, reflect back on what if I hadn't taken these chances? What if I hadn't given up good in order to get great? What if I hadn't made some scary decisions and walked away and not known how I was going to do it, but figured it out as I went? You know, it's scary. I mean, my heart's racing right now, which is crazy because like I've done the thing. I'm sitting here in Argentina. I know I've done the thing. But it still scares me, the idea of what if, what if I had not gone down this path? And that's why I'm here. You know, I would love to delve more into different aspects of my story in future podcast episodes. There's so much more that can be said about various periods of my life in terms of the just drive to jump in and figure things out in terms of how I actually made freelance happen in those couple of months and how I think, you know, what are the things that I think may be successful so fast. There's tons more around freelancing to talk about getting clients, pitching clients, you know, setting your rates. Once you have money coming in, what to do with that? You know, all of these questions that people ask me as I travel around the, around the world, you know, what to do with taxes, what to do with retirement as a freelancer, all of these things that are figure outable. You know, I have figured them out sometimes really easily. Sometimes it costs me a lot. There's a whole host of other people out there also doing what I do. And I love to bounce ideas off of them and say, well, what do you do? This is how I do it. Oh, cool. You know, we all learn from each other. And that's really what this podcast, I want it to be about learning from my journey, like so many mistakes I've made so that you don't have to. And also connecting with me and with other people in the same boat and understanding that it's absolutely possible to create the life that you want. No one's is going to look exactly the same. You know, you can freelance and not travel. You can freelance and travel to a new place every week if you want to. It just, it depends on who you are, but like you are absolutely in control of designing, creating the life that you want. You know, I'm living walking proof and I get so excited and so passionate about sharing that because I think back to me 10 years ago, who was really stuck and didn't believe that this was possible. I I did. Like there was obviously something driving me to it, but there were all of these excuses and all of this, like maybe someday and next time, or it's not for me or all of these things swirling around. And so if this resonates in any sense, you know, maybe you resonate with the fact that you want to travel more. Maybe you resonate with the fact that you just like more freedom in your life, that you'd like to make more money, that you'd like to actually work with people who like and respect you. And you maybe don't want the, the traditional like nine to five hours anymore. Maybe you do your best work at 2 a.m. You know, 
all of these things can be addressed with freelancing. I'm just so passionate about it. I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. And I would love to hear back from you about anything anything at all that you are interested in, that you have more questions about, that you maybe resonate it with in this episode, you can get in touch at hello at liveworktravel.com. Definitely come give me a follow on Instagram as well. I am at IG, and I am working on developing an affordable online freelancing community to help people who are just getting started out or people who've been freelancing a while. Just really a place for us to connect, to learn from each other, to grow in our freelancing careers. That is at liveworktravel.com slash community. Love for you to check that out. Thank you so much for making it this far in this long episode. I meant for this to be about 15, 20 minutes. So there you have it. Um, And I look forward to hopefully seeing you in the next episode.